Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become a new sponsor to the show. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned for why we love using Zen for the podcast. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management, archaeology, and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 169 for July 31st, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Webster. On today's show, we talk to an Australian-trained CRM archaeologist working in Washington State who also drives for Uber on the side. So check your driving record because the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. It's just me today, unless uh, somebody else comes in. So, you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> we'll just bring them in if they do. But I've got a guest on today. We don't have too many guests on the Sierra Archaeology podcast, but uh, our guest today is Paul Howard. Paul, how's it going? G'day. How you going, Chris? Good, good. So we're going to talk about your background in archaeology because the, the nickel tour is you were born and raised in Australia, Trained as an archaeologist in Australia, now you're in the United States. That's right, basically. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get into that a little bit. Let, tell us about where you where you went to school in Australia, because I'm not. We've interviewed a few people from Australia before, and I don't. It seems kind of, um, I guess, variable on the amount of training, just like over here in the United States, and the kind of archaeological education you can get. You know, was it focused on cultural resource management? Was it focused on just you know basic archaeology degree, or or what was that like? Okay, so essentially, uh, first thing you learn over there is uh, in archaeology, but there are public archaeology components attached to the degree. I went to the University of New England, which is in Armidale, New South Wales, and uh, it was mainly Aboriginal archaeology that was the main focus, um, or Indigenous archaeology. Mm -hmm. However, there were other aspects thrown in there as well, like uh, Pam Watson taught us about Pella and her exploits in Jordan, and and uh, mm. I had uh, a couple of rock art analysis courses from June Ross, Mike Morwood, and Mark Moore, who is an American, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. So he actually taught me uh, lithics analysis, and I did a lot. I, I did uh, mm-hmm. three years full time, then I did another year of. Uh, which is a graduate certificate. I didn't have to do that, but I wanted the marks to get into an honours degree, which um, I needed at the time. And so I went Mm -hmm. back and did some more study. And then I ended up going to the University of Wollongong in uh, New South Wales, which is south of of Sydney. And I did my honours year there. So in in Australia, what you have to do, you have to have an honours year, which is, I guess, your fourth year where you do a thesis 
and uh, then you're good to go in archaeology. It's good to have prior experience okay. as well, so some sort of volunteer work helps. So a master's is not necessary, but I went ahead and did one later, which I found out was very important in the United States. <laughs> Can be, yeah. Yeah. Well, what led you to cultural resource management? Um, was that over in Australia or did you do that when you came over to the United States? Funny, funny story, actually. I um, Once I'd finished my honors degree, a, a friend of mine contacted me and said, oh, I heard you finished your, your degree. And I said, yeah. He said, this is about one, one month out of uh, graduating um, at Wollongong there. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, oh, do you want to work for the Australian Museum Business Services and do a excavation with them? And I said, yeah, sure. So I went, yeah. I went to the Hunter Valley and did my very first project with a guy by the name of Chris Ludlucki, which, um, yeah, he was the uh, field director at the time and we were replacing, well, they were repla replacing power poles in um, mm -hmm. New South Wales there. And, uh, yeah, that was what got me into archaeology straight away off the bat for CRM. So, <laughs> um, wow. I, okay. I had prior experience in, at university level, went to Cambodia with the, uh, Greater Angkor Project at the University of Sydney there. And, um, nice. yeah, I had that prior experience and throughout my university, I managed to get field experience in working on a, uh, an old sawmill site and I do volunteer work when, when necessary. I did some volunteer work with the Sydney Harbour Foreshore Authority in Sydney there and the the field, the field uh, senior director there, Dr. Wayne Johnson, uh, took me under his wing and I helped him out with some field work and some uh, cataloguing and uh, scanning. I actually helped open the Rocks Discovery Museum in Sydney. I cleaned and and uh, put together some of the displays down in uh, uh, at the Sydney Harbour Foreshore Authority Rocks Discovery Museum. And, yeah, that was an excellent time. And he, Wayne, actually said, oh, do you want to come to Cambodia? And I said, sure. <laughs> so, and, uh, yeah, that got me into archaeology per se after university and uh, without having, um, you know, certain people along the way, I probably wouldn't have been able to, get to where I am. <laughs> so. I mean, that is, uh, that's always true, isn't it? It's a, it's a lot about who, you know, and, and taking those opportunities when they come your way. So that's really cool. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. what, yeah. oh yeah. So back to the other question you were saying that, um, what got me into that? Mm -hmm. I, uh, yeah, the CRM aspect just kept going from there. I, I never looked back. So after that couple of weeks of working at the Australian Museum Business Services, I did more contract work in around New South Wales and um, yeah, I've mm -hmm. yeah, been doing it for about 10 years now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How, how did you end up in the United States? Kind of a, kind of a big departure <laughs> from Australia. <laughs> well, actually it's, it's a bit of a strange story. I, um, my now wife, uh, she's and she was an archeologist. Now she's a land surveyor and she is from the United States, mm -hmm. Tacoma originally. And uh, she worked okay. in Australia as an archaeologist for about uh, two years. And uh, she, yeah, she did CRM work there, but the, the connection was linked in. I was going to work with her, with a guy over in um, a place called Campbelltown, which is part of Sydney there. I didn't take the job because I got a better offer in Victoria in Melbourne there. Um, hmm. uh, 
at uh, Australian Cultural Heritage Management. And um, it was only by chance on LinkedIn I saw this particular nice-looking lady <laughs> uh, that had worked for, <laughs> for this organisation that I was going to work for. And uh, we started chatting and, you know, building up some sort of communication basis there about should I have worked for the guy or not and... And uh, she ended up coming back to the United States and I'd gone through a pretty messy breakup back in 2014. And, uh, you know, I was um, interested in, I, I, you know, didn't have anything to lose kind of thing. So um, we started chatting more on LinkedIn there. I ended up finding myself in San Diego <laughs> and uh, the rest mm-hmm. is history. Now we're married. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, yeah, there you go. Did Did you find it hard to uh, to get archaeology jobs um, when you got back here to oh, the states? Yes. Or I, I know when I like, yeah. Was that because you were from Australia yeah. and had experience over there, or just because finding jobs over here well, is difficult? <laughs> maybe a bit of both, to be honest. Because in San Diego, you kind of have to prove <laughs> yeah. yourself. And uh, you sure. really have to it, – it, that is who you know, but they also say you need to have six to 12 months of experience to, to do any sort of archaeology work mm-hmm. there. And But it had to be San Diego approved or county approved. So the very first stages of our relationship was um, – you know, going back and forth, back and forth. And, uh, you know, so I was working in Australia doing my master's, but then I was going out to the Cooper base and doing work out there with the Yandawanda Yarrawaka people. And then I'd fly back and see her mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks or, you know, a month or something, then go back. And in amongst all this, I'm trying to find work in San Diego. And I and sure. I've been doing this for about, you know, maybe about a year before it actually found any sort of work. And it was, it was actually quite tough can, compared to Australia where, you know, one month at university, I just walk into a job. <laughs> you know? And, and mm-hmm. so yeah. I ended up um, talking with as many companies as possible. You know, I've had seven years of experience at the time and I ended up talking with the San Diego Archaeological Center, the lady there, the director, Cindy Stankowski, she said, oh, well, maybe you could do some volunteer work and get your foot in the door over here. And I was like, yeah, why not? You know, going back to square one, doing volunteer work, whatever, let's give it a crack, you know. (laughs) And uh, so I did that for a couple of months, you know, just helping cataloging artifacts and doing data entry and whatnot and then, Eventually, there was a few companies that were interested in me, but they wouldn't sponsor me because I'm foreign and, uh, you know, everyone's scared of the paperwork, mm. even though they didn't even have to pay for the pay- paperwork. It was all me that had to pay for it. It was literally right. filling out a few forms and then off you go. But the just people just mm-hmm. didn't want to deal with the, you know, they don't want to... Um, uh, handle the paperwork like that. They just they're scared of it, I guess. When it comes to immigration and whatnot, it's it's. Right. I, and I understand that because you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Yes, this person's got this amount of experience, but you know what are they capable of? What are you know? It's it's. Do they sure. even know what an artifact is? <laughs> you know. I mean, you get that. You, you get that when you hire people. Yeah, who are yeah. From well, the United that's, States. that's true. <laughs> that's true. And anyway, but she ended up yeah. sponsoring me because. You know, no one would sponsor me. So, uh, and we ended up having an agreement yeah. where I could subcontract to other companies. Um, so I ended up working for Tier Environmental, subcontracting wow. to them, and then 
Pangis and then um, Spindrift Archaeological Consulting and mm-hmm. and yeah, and then I ended up um, taking another role later on down the line up uh, up here in um, Blaine, Washington, mm-hmm. and which unfortunately I lost my job about a month ago, but that's another story. I've started working for another company as of this week <laughs> um, called Caldera Archaeology. So um, mm-hmm. I'll see how that goes. Okay. But in the meantime, okay. I'm, I'm I was Ubering. well. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to get into that. Um, I want to keep talking about CRM a little bit, though. Now that you have some experience in the U.S. and you've actually got some, you know, some local experience where you're at now, Paul, I'm wondering, do you have full U.S. citizenship yet, or does that matter now that you're married to a U.S. citizen? Uh, basically, do companies still have to sponsor you now that you're married? Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure how all that works, and I think some of our listeners who are maybe in similar situations would be uh, interested in how you're doing it these days. All right, so. Um I don't have any citizenship at all. I'm in the process of waiting for a green card. Mm-hmm. And um, so, as I said before, prior to that, I had sponsorship. I had what was called an E3 visa. And okay. uh, when you get married to someone, you can change your status. And while, whilst you're waiting for that, your green card, you get to what's called an employment authorization document which enables you to do anything you can work for anyone whoever you don't have to have any sort of sponsorship thank goodness so that's Mm. made things a little bit easier for me (laughs) that's for sure but yeah so it it, automatically if you marry an american it doesn't make you a citizen at all you think you've got to wait up to five years until you um once you've got your green cards you when you get your green card, you know, I think you'd wait five years and then you can go for citizenship. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So they could still theoretically send you back to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. They could <laughs> deport me tomorrow if they want to. <laughs> wow. I guess, uh, I guess you better yeah, vote no, Republican in the next election. <laughs> Don't piss them off. <laughs> Don't get Maybe me not. started. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> uh, at least you're in a blue state now. I don't know about uh, Blaine, yeah. Washington, but, you know, there you go. Um, <laughs> all right. So so we've talked about that. So now that you're up in uh, – so what, what led you guys back up to Blaine, Washington? And for those that don't know where Blaine is, it's practically in Canada. I mean, it's yeah. really close to the Canadian border. I used to live in south of there in that area. That's where I grew up and was born and raised. So I've got a lot of familiarity up there, but it's a really – I mean, kind of a remote area. What what led you guys to be up there? Presumably, you're closer to your wife's family if she was raised in Tacoma. But that's you right. know, what led yeah. to Blaine? Um, that was one of the reasons. But the m- main reason was uh, I took a senior archaeology role at um, in Blaine, Washington. Ah. I was doing that for about a year, and because apparently the guy was pretty swamped, he was pretty busy taking mm-hmm. uh, doing CRM projects in in and around the area. Yeah, it could be from anywhere, anyone building a house or putting in power lines or power poles or um, roads, you name it, anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, that was the main reason. I thought it would be a more secure position because it was a senior role, but uh, hindsight's a beautiful thing. (laughs) There you go. There you go. So, 
Well, as we as we frequently talk about on the show, no matter what your position is in archaeology, whether you're salaried and been there for 10 years or you've got a high level position, your work is dependent on many factors. and <laughs> You could be no, out of a is. job tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. No, that's very true. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, end this segment now. And when we come back, we'll talk about your side hustle and what you're doing to, you know, make ends meet like everybody else is and uh, and how that's going for you. So we'll be back in just a second, continue this discussion with Paul Howard. Chris Webster here for the Archaeology Podcast Network. We strive for high-quality interviews and content so you can find information on any topic in archaeology from around the world. One way we do that is by recording interviews with our hosts and guests located in many parts of the world all at once. We do that through the use of Zencaster. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. Zencaster allows us to record high-quality audio with no stress on the guest. Just send them a link to click on, and that's it. Zencaster does the rest. They even do automatic transcriptions. Check out the link in the show notes for 30 percent off your first three months or go to zencastr.com and use the code crmark everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. All right, we are back on the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 169, and I am talking with archaeologist Paul Howard. And just a quick debrief here, Paul was born and raised in Australia, learned to do archaeology over there, got his master's degree over there, then moved over here to the United States, uh, is married to a U.S. citizen, also a former archaeologist, and uh, is now working in Blaine, Washington. So, Paul, we often talk about on this podcast how people really need a side hustle to make ends meet sometimes, and I think we all have one or have had one at various times. Uh, for example, there's a lot of people that work in the Great Basin that do something else over the wintertime because you simply can't do archaeology in the wintertime in the Great Basin in the United States because there's snow covering the ground. So you either move to a different region in the United States to do archaeology, and then that's where everybody else went, so the jobs are scarce, or you find something else to do. I know people that are ski instructors, snowplow drivers, tax accountants during the tax season. I know somebody who did taxes from like January to April and then was an archaeologist the rest of the year. And, hmm. uh, and people find whatever they can do to fill in that off time. But I think one of the best things that you can do is something where you can just pick up the work on your own time and your own schedule. And one of those things is driving and specifically Lyft and Uber. So what led you okay. to look at Uber driving or did you try other stuff before you got to there? Or do you just think, hey, this seems where it's at? How'd that work? Well, I, I had a former colleague uh, at uh, Drayton Archaeology in Blaine here and he was telling me about Uber and mm -hmm. uh, how he uses it as a side hustle and tells me his exploits in Seattle specifically. <laughs> and oh, yeah. I found it really intriguing. And I thought, you know, you clock in whenever you want and you can 
accept people if you want or not you know, and and uh, work your own hours and mm-hmm. uh, I, I thought that was really interesting and it's easy you don't need another skill if you if you can drive as an archaeologist you can drive passengers and other people around so I uh, I looked at how old my car was and um, went for that <laughs> and um, you know uh, filled out all the uh, the paperwork that was required and it I think it only took maybe a week I think and I experimented one day and then I, I got a ping automatically and thought oh hang on I'm not ready I need to clean my car and <laughs> you know set it all up because you know I don't want people in my car just yet but I was seeing if it worked and all of a sudden this guy called Aaron um, pinged me immediately and I was like oh no I'm not ready <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah, so I my my area that I work is in Bellingham, which is about mm-hmm. uh, 20, 25 minutes from Blaine, Washington. So, oh, it's fascinating. It's uh, it's it's like I said, it's easy. Anyone can drive anyone around. You can hold a conversation with someone if you want, or you could just not talk to them at all. But nine times out of ten, I'm talking someone's ear off. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know, nice. it's interesting. Now. I've heard now. So you you were working with this other company as a as an archaeologist, and now you've just accepted another position as an archaeologist. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've heard tales that unless you're really working full time Uber, some of the expenses and the cut that they take, and you know the the insurance you have to maintain and things like that, that it it makes it so it's almost not worth it to uh, to drive for Uber. Is there a threshold at which you need to put in, you know, so many drives or so many, um, it's not really hours, I guess it's so many drives, uh, yeah. so many people that you haul around. Is there like a threshold where you're like, man, I need to get over this to make it worth it for the week or for the, for the month or something like that? Absolutely. So yeah. I try and, I, you know, if I have no archaeology work on at all, I will look at my daily schedule and go, okay, uh, what am I doing? How how can I make money? Am I even going to make this amount of money? So you can you can aim for maybe a hundred dollars a day or more, mm-hmm. and but when when you get to the weekends, that's your bread and butter because that's when you're going to make your most money because nine times out of ten you're going to have drunk people which are <laughs> <laughs> can be a pain but at the same time very yeah. entertaining but they're the ones that are going to pay your bills. Like the other night, I think I only worked for six hours and got 200 bucks nice one one day i picked i think it was the second saturday i was doing it i picked up one guy that wanted to go to pittsburgh california wow and uh, that was that was the most uh incredible thing that i ever thought i'd say okay get in my car (laughs) i (laughs) i i I didn't expect that at all but um i'm i'm calling it the golden unicorn because um i've spoken to another uber driver since i've started and he said have you had any unicorns yet and i said what do you mean he said oh well i drove a guy to renton washington and i said oh i drove a guy to pittsburgh california (laughs) (laughs) jeez and the and the cool thing is is that you can if you you want to make an extra uh uh, you know, a, a amount of money you can um, you can do cash in hand if you want. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, that's entirely up to you. You can say, "Oh, well, Uber's going to do it this way, but I can do it this way if you want." But sure, I don't do I don't do that very often because you know I want to 
keep Ubering if I can. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I imagine that's not encouraged by Uber uh, to go outside their system. <laughs> no, that that's that's right, but yeah, um, yeah. you know, if in, in that case the guy was pretty desperate. He mm-hmm. he he didn't have any money on his card. He didn't have any identification. Oh wow. Um he his friend got detained at the border here because they went up to film a music video at Peace mm-hmm. Arch and um, his friend didn't have any immigration papers on him and Border Patrol caught up with him and uh, handcuffed him and detained him. And, wow. uh, yeah, I was a little bit shocked. He showed me the whole video and uh, of him getting handcuffed and I thought that hits a little bit close to home because I'm a foreigner. I haven't mm-hmm. been handcuffed or tased or anything like that. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I sat there and thought, well, geez, and he said, I only have this amount of money. I can pay you the rest when I get there. And I thought, heck, get in my car. You know, <laughs> obviously <laughs> I had to make a, a phone call to see if I had permission to go down there. But, mm-hmm. you know, that turned into a $700 trip. Wow. Wow. And, mm. and does that include, I mean, did he pay for gas as well? Or does the, your gas money come out of that 700 bucks? That came out of that. But, you yeah. know, what I thought about was I'd already made something like, Three hundred dollars that week, so yeah, um, yeah. So you're anything out on top. else? Yeah, I was it just topped it off, and yeah, it was um, you know one heck of an experience, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, are you also driving for Lyft? No, I thought about doing that, but um, you do have to pay for a business license. Okay. Um, for that one, whereas Uber, you just sign up and off you go, and which I found easier. I don't want to get a business license until I am comfortable getting one, if that makes sense. Indeed, indeed. So with Uber, you don't need a business license, but with Lyft, you do? That's right, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that, actually. That's interesting. Mm. Okay. I don't know if that's um, city-specific or county-specific. I haven't really looked into that, but I know for Whatcom County mm-hmm. or Bellingham sort of area, you need a, a business license for that. I, it's only $60, mm. and yes, I could do that. And I spoke to another driver the other day, um, saying that, yeah, he he actually thinks Lyft is better because, you know, you get more money out of it and, you know, they have better surge rates. So once it gets mm-hmm. to like 2 a.m., you might be getting double instead of like $2, <laughs> two yeah. dollars extra, yeah. so which is what's with Uber right now. So, yeah, indeed. Hmm. Well, are, what about other... Side hustles, are you pretty happy with Uber or is there other stuff that you are looking at? I know some people have like passion projects and things that might help them make them a little money on the side. Uh, Is there anything else you've thought about doing or are you going to stick with Uber for a while? I'm going to stick with Uber for a while because um, I've been posting regular notes about my experiences Ubering. Um, I've actually started a blog and and, uh, like a couple of days ago. I need to figure it all out on WordPress there. (laughs) I've posted every single day up until this point, and uh, but they're all in weird order. I need to figure out, um, <laughs> you know, how to put day one first and then day two, and but for yeah. some reason day seventeen's first, and it's all discombobulated, which is a pain. But I'll figure that out. But um, someone was telling me the other day, you know, there's a guy in New York City that has a YouTube channel. And he gets ten thousand dollars a month just by recording his own people that sits in his car. <laughs> wow! And I sat there and thought, well, I don't know if I want to do that, but I'm quite interested in maybe, um, 
you know, publishing my works in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I mean, a blog is a, is a really good place to start. You know, if you're, if you're decent enough at writing and you can, and you have a master's degree, so you must have some writing experience and uh, yeah. yeah. And that's, I think it's making it entertaining as well. You know, obviously because you're writing about people in their, uh, oh yeah, classic know. example. I mean, obviously that guy to California, but I had another guy that looked and sounded like Jeff Goldblum, and I, <laughs> I had to do a double take. He was the first guy that sat foot in my car, and I thought, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> His name was Shane, though, but you know, <laughs> that's what he told you. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he's he's not going to get in the car and say, "I'm Jeff Goldblum." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's his, uh, you know, alter ego or something. That's right. Know. That's right. He's probably. <laughs> working on a character <laughs> hey it's possible i guess man but it wouldn't was it be weird. funny if you, you see a movie later on with jeff goldblum and his name is shane in the movie that would be awesome <laughs> yeah. I have to keep a sharp eye out for that one <laughs> that would be great that'd be great so what's yeah. this uh this new job do you have uh details on how that's going to impact your your uber driving or do you just spend a lot of time in your off time i mean obviously the best time to be an uber driver is at night and on the weekends when people yeah. are out partying and the, you know paying all the money well, to be honest, I, the the last uh, few months of archaeology before I lost my job were really stressful for me. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of responsibility, obviously attached to a senior role, and you know there was a lot of other aspects going on in my life which I I found very very difficult. So mm-hmm. Ubering, I've taken that over archaeology more so. I did a one day of work last week, which was my first day working for them, and um, oh, it was a struggle. I <laughs> oh, like uh, it was um, compared to driving someone around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was thinking maybe Uber's actually worth more to me right now than than archaeology. Isn't that a shame? Because you know, you go. I, I did four years and then another two years of of study. Um, mm-hmm. just to get where I am now at a senior level and um, obviously attached to that is my 10 years of experience. And I, I'd rather be Uber driving because it's less stress and less complications, isn't it? Isn't well, that here's, strange? Here's mm. the thing. I, I totally buy that because we don't mm. – we don't live in a world anymore where somebody gets an education out of high school, at least here in the United States, you get an education out of high school and then they go work for, you know, Ford for the next 45 years and then retire. Right. I mean, we just yeah. don't live in that world. So I think especially with something like Uber driving, I mean, your experiences, your education, your 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 world travels, um, you know, the places you've lived, all the things you've done make you an interesting uber driver <laughs> so yeah well that's you know. true as soon as i i dropped that i'm an archaeologist by trade <laughs> yeah people turn around and say wait what and i've had people comment on my uh you know if they give me five star rating or something like that then i'll have great conversation listed and say enjoyed listening about your archaeology exploits over the years and i mean let's they're just being nice let's be honest the minute you open your mouth and your australian accent comes out oh yeah especially (laughs) if it's a woman you're getting a five-star rating oh my gosh uh you have no idea you really don't (laughs) but maybe some you kind of do it's kind of ridiculous it's yeah exactly exactly i'm not i'm not going to delve into the depths of that one but yeah maybe you could read my <laughs> blog it, about that save it for the blog <laughs> yeah yeah but um oh man oh my hey, gosh you know, yeah you know um, as far as that you could have another side side hustle related to this and unless uber becomes your front hustle then this mm. could be your side hustle but 
Yeah. Uh, look into a Patreon account because of, you could have your blog where you've got your stories, you know, your different ride stories and things and interesting stuff like that. But then there's like the 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 maybe more explicit stories or the maybe the more racy stories you get from riding Uber. And then that can be on your Patreon account and people pay monthly to have access to your Patreon account. So then they could um, I, I've advised people to do this before oh, okay. where if, if you've got good content, you know, if you have, say, say your average content and then you've got your really special content, your different content, you put that on a Patreon account and it's kind of like bonus content or you know, it's just extra stuff that if people want, say, you know, your Uber after dark stories, then they can go to Patreon and pay five dollars a month or something yeah, like can. that and 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 get access to those extra stories. So something to look well, into. That that sounds like a, a good opportunity as well. But I, I did notice something as well in this country is that uh the the wages are significantly lower to Australia's wages and um mm. so having a side hustle makes more sense because it's yeah you know, it, it does end up helping you pay for, for, for bills and whatnot. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, in Australia, I think I was getting double what I was getting over here and <laughs> it's, I could live quite comfortably mm-hmm. over here. I just, I've, I've found it a real, a grind and a struggle, which is surprising for, you know, it's something that's part of the regulatory requirements where, you know, you, you go see a bio in the in the field and they're getting double what you're getting. And you're thinking, well, I've had probably more education than what you've had yeah. you know, over the years. It's not that I'm saying that biology and archaeology are the same thing by any chance, but by, mm-hmm. by any means, but um, it's, it's, it's a kick in the guts where, you know, someone at Fred Meyer or Haggins or any one of those um, grocery stores is getting 40 bucks an hour for uh, dealing with meat, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's absurd. And and, and up in mm. Washington, you're in an area where it's even a little bit better pay. I, I did one job in Washington. Yeah. And I think I got $25 an hour, which was probably probably $8, $9 an hour more than I'd ever gotten anywhere else in the country. And I've worked in 18 different states. So, yeah, okay. you know, now that was 10 years ago. And I think there are some California wages that are around there yes. a little higher typically. But yeah, San Diego is pretty good in regards yeah. to wages, but the standard of living is extremely oh, high. So. Right, right. Totally, totally. Well, I will tell you one thing, man, as we're nearing the end of the segment here, you know, don't. And this goes to anybody thinking about doing this. You should do what makes you happy in life and what helps you pay the bills and what keeps you going. And and one thing, especially about uh, I, I love the fact that you're writing a blog about your um, Uber driving experiences, because that's that's taking what you're doing and and bringing that out to the rest of the people. Because I think one thing we do in archaeology is people think it's all excavation. They think it's all research. But what we're doing is telling stories. Absolutely. And, and when we find things and then we write about the things, we're, we're telling the story of the objects and the objects' relation to the land and the people that lived there. And I think you're doing the exact same thing with your blog um, yeah. from Uber driving. You're telling people stories. Maybe they don't want you telling those stories and you got to change their names. <laughs> but either way. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I've changed names. <laughs> yeah. But either way, you're telling real stories about real humanity. And that's the kind of thing that, that frankly, we need more of. So I think that's a – you're still – you're still. You might not be doing archaeology, but you're definitely doing anthropology. Um, yeah, I was going to say it's like an, <laughs> an anthropological study at its best. It's it's fascinating, and like I said, as soon as they figure out you're Australian or an archaeologist, it, oh, uh, man. Just, it's 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 hilarious. In fact, one night yeah. I put uh, a few. Australian classics playing in the car and just 
subtly in the background. And I don't know if anyone noticed, but I think it was a hit. <laughs> nice. 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 Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to end it here. Uh, I just got one last question. So with this new job coming up, do you think you're going to try to stick this out a little bit full term or, or what are your thoughts on, you know, maybe just saying I'm going to commit to I'm going to commit to Uber? Well, I uh, I'm going to see how it goes. That's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I am in the process of also interviewing for another totally different role, which is uh, they train you on the job. It's financial advisor at Edward Jones. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, I really don't know if that's what I want to get into, but um, I'm exploring other options because archaeology has been good to me over the years. But, yeah, 10 years of it and, and my stress levels, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't know if I can uh, keep doing it. But, you know, I, it was nice to get back out in the field the other day and it was I was in the middle of a cornfield. That was interesting. I felt like something out of nice. the movie Signs. I don't know if yeah. you've seen that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, well, um, I, I always go back a little farther to Children of the Corn from the 80s whenever I'm <laughs> yeah. in a cornfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> I have, yeah. I'll have to watch that because I haven't actually seen it, but I've oh, heard man. stories. Yeah, it's but, bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. But, um, so, you know, I'll, I'm going to stick with Ubering for the moment until um, – I'm I find something a, bit, a little bit more stable and comfortable but you know I'm I'm still waiting for a few other roles to get back to me in regards to archaeology mm-hmm. as well so we'll see what happens I guess well, in the meantime, I would put your Uber driving on your CV as uh, as your cultural anthropology experience. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Actually. Hey, if you were just driving, that'd be one thing. But driving mm. combined with writing about it, it really is mm. a whole different deal. You know, so I embrace that. Well, it's it was only by chance too that when I had one Facebook post, uh, all my a lot of friends and family turned around and said, "You need to start like keeping a daily log." And I thought, well, you know what that that does keep you in touch with archaeology because you're making notes every time when you're in the field. You, <laughs> yeah. you you document everything from from artifacts to the conditions of the weather to the landscape mm-hmm. to to any abnormalities in the soil. It's just um, you know, and you do get some abnormal people in your car so (laughs) indeed yeah yeah so Mm. all right man well thanks a lot and uh thanks for coming on the show and i wish you uh you know good luck in whether you do archaeology or cultural anthropology you know uh, (laughs) thanks Bruce. (laughs) just keep it going You may have heard my pitch for membership. It's a great idea and really helps out. However, you can also support us by picking up a fun t-shirt, sticker, or something from a large selection of items from our Tee Public store. Head over to arcpodnet.com slash shop for a link. That's arcpodnet.com slash shop to pick up some fun swag and support the show. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. 
That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to reiterate what I was saying at the end of that interview with Paul Howard. If you want to do archaeology, that's great. If you love archaeology, that's great. But don't be discouraged by doing something else and try to see if you can take that archaeological training and experience like Paul has and convert it into something that makes you a great conversationalist that brights up, brightens up somebody's day. Paul's taking it a step further and putting a, uh, doing a blog about his experiences. And I hope he can monetize that for one more tiny little side hustle because he, I, I always see the finances as it was described to me one time as a financial stool. And each leg of that stool has you know different widths depending on how much money it's bringing in, but they all contribute to your well-being and, and helping you pay the bills and your, and your livelihood. So there's no reason you can't do archeology, span keep that going, but also pick up something like Uber or Lyft on the side or both. Um, which they're really great because you can you can do those on your own time, on your own schedule. You just got to clean up that car at the end of the field season and, uh, and keep it going and, uh, and go from there. So uh, again, thank you to Paul Howard for coming on the show. And I hope he finds a lot of success with this new company. But also, if he doesn't want to work with that new company, that's fine too. You know, uh, he's having a good time driving for Uber. And some people see that as... I don't know, kind of a sellout I, I've heard before, but I don't, I don't buy it. If it gives you enjoyment and you're bringing joy to somebody else and, and you're, you're helping somebody else, well, that's a worthy cause and it's a, it's a worthy thing to do and it has good value. So, all right. Thanks a lot. And we'll see you next week. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archpodnet.com slash podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at arcpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. This show is produced and recorded by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle in Reno, Nevada at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.